Welcome to a new edition of Full Time Out presented by K Black. I'm here again with everybody's uncle. In today's episode, we're going to talk about Vince Carter and give a little look back on his career. Uh, we're also going to talk about the return of the NBA and the possibility of certain players not suiting up and not showing up in Orlando. And we're going to look at the Oklahoma State situation and how does that impact the commitment of number one prospect Kate Cunningham. And we're also going to look at the future commitment of other top prospect Jonathan Kaminga for the 2020 class. What up, Unc? What up, man? What up? I'm good, man. I'm good. How you been holding up? I've been all right, man. You know, just taking a day at a time, you know, just... You know, just trying to move one day at a time, man. That's really what it is. Exactly. And that's, that's for sure. So today I really wanted to talk about, because, you know, Vince Carter, one of the most celebrated figure in Canadian basketball history, because obviously he, play, he played in Toronto for uh, uh, the first few years of his career. With this whole pandemic situation, his career was basically cut short. So he, he, he said at the beginning of the year that this would be his last year. And uh, when the season was suspended, everybody thought, well, this is probably the last time we ever see Vince on the court. So with the fact that the Atlanta, the Atlanta Hawks weren't invited to the bubble in Orlando, this actually made it, well, the final game of Vince Carter's career. And, you know, it, it officially ended his career. So I just wanted us to do a little, a little review of Vince, like how – he was perceived in his, uh, during his career, how he's going to be remembered. Um, is he actually properly rated, overrated, or underrated? And really, his place among his peers. Like, how did he, how did he do like, against some of the best guys in his era? And how does he rank overall uh, against them? So, I just wanted to just get your thoughts on on overall on 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 Vince um to to me i guess the the the, the overall perspective you know being being from canada and stuff vince vince is a, a an elite a supreme legend in our eyes we feel like you know what i'm saying as far as our basketball culture he kind of jump started that you know yeah. what i mean um him yeah, him being with toronto i feel like sometimes we even forgot forget that he was american you know what I mean? We felt like he was Canadian. We're like, how come he can't play on, the, on our national team? Yeah, that's you know real. I mean? so, that's real, definitely. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Being from, the, you know, this part of the world, I feel like, you know, we there's a, a large respect for, for Vince. Even 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 though when he first left, it was it was a, a little bitter. But I yeah. think with the time being, I think we, we kind of learn to appreciate what he done for us. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, you know, he... When he left at first, you're like, oh, why are you leaving us? You forget that he gave us a few solid years that, you know, he entertained us and, you know, had us looking good. Yeah, no, that, that's definitely true. And the thing is, when you look back, the fact that Toronto became such an integral part in the basketball world probably produces uh, among the most NBA players in the world uh, out of any cities that you can think of is a testament to the impact that Vince had on the culture because you don't produce – that amount of pros without a certain basketball culture. 
and the fact that Vince was so entertaining and made basketball such a, a cool sport for kids to to play in, for people to invest their time in, I think right. there's there's a big credit that goes to him, and uh, and, and and the fact that you know he, he really put Toronto on the map. Definitely. But at the same time, I don't think we can forget that the when he left, it wasn't just like he, he he pretty much quit on the team. He he did he did, but at the same time, that but that's why like I understand the whole you know what I'm saying like how it was bitter. You know yeah. what I mean? Like the, the the Toronto fans were very bitter, I, yeah. and I understand that. But at the same time, you know I think he, we we had to thank him for what we had. You know what no, I mean? As far as what he yeah. brought to the table and not so much focus on the the, the last piece where he quit. Because I, I understand, you know, he was here for a while. You know what I mean? And originally he he's from the States. Uh, but also I think around that time that the, the team were kind of stagnant a little bit. You know, he was yeah. doing really well. And, you know, like most great players that end up, you know, in a tough uh, situation, he, he didn't uh, want know, his prime years to be wasted. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, I, I understand that. You know, I feel like I can't, I can't hold that against him. You know what I mean? As far mm-hmm. as, like, he did quit, but, you know, I, I'm more focused on the, on, on the, on the you on know, the what he, exactly what he did for the culture versus, you know, because anywhere else, it could have been anybody. And once they get tired, it's either they, they force the, you know, the front office to bring in help or they forced the front end hands to be like, hey, I got to be out of here. I'm trying to win. Yep. No, that's for sure. And at, at the same time, they, they had made too many bad, bad choices in terms of the guys that they drafted, the guys that they brought in for him to have a, a solid supporting cast to be competing in the East. And I think with the fact that he was getting injured and, you know, I, I just think the pressure was built up when he wasn't necessarily getting the same from from the, from the management, you know? Right. So he had pressure to perform and to be this franchise player where he wasn't necessarily getting the help to to have a team that could contend for for a title. So um I, I wanted to jump in and really go from the from the start. So Vince was drafted in ninety eight. So in that draft, we the first pick was uh, Michael Kennedy, probably one of the biggest draft busts of all time, which <laughs> was really was really like even at the time, I think people were really shocked that this guy went first overall. Right. Uh, <laughs> but you know, he had guys like Mike Bibby and Tom Jameson, you know, Paul Pierce, and so on. So I really wanted us to look at. How does he rank in that specific draft? Like in the 98 draft, if we had to do a redraft, right. where would you put Vince in terms of what he accomplished in his career against some of the guys? So um, so how, how many, well, in this sense, how many players do you want me to do? you want me to do like a top maybe five or like top because... Let's, well, do, let's do top five. Let's do top, top five. five. Because especially in that draft, it it goes down pretty quickly. <laughs> it, it definitely does. It's, it definitely it's honestly, does. It's honestly like a seven-player draft, I would say. Like seven guys have solid careers after that. Most of the guys is – yeah, I think – no, a lot of guys had careers. Like if you go down the line, it's like Larry Hughes was a serviceable guy. Larry Hughes was solid. Larry was Hughes solid. was solid. Nah, that, that's definitely true. But like 
you know, like a Reuben Patterson wasn't any good. <laughs> the Kobe stopper. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so let's just do a, a, a top five uh, of the, of some of the guys in in the draft and go through them. So, uh, yeah. So we'll start with your your fifth overall pick in that draft. Ooh. My fifth, uh, probably going with Twan Jameson. Yeah, Antoine? I think I might be going with Antoine. I, I was kind of stuck between him and Mike Bibby. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like uh, Bibby was such a key component in that, in that uh, the Kings um, team, the one that used to give my Lakers, a, you know, the business, that I, I feel like I want to put him slightly ahead of Jameson. I, I've never really seen Jameson in that type of situation where he was that man on a contending team like that. You know what I mean? I think even having conversation with you, I remember you were saying that, you know, the, the league low-key robbed uh, the Kings when they were facing the Lakers. Yep. <laughs> I definitely still so, feel that way. You see? So, so I feel like, you know, with that being said, I, I, I'm going with Jameson uh, with number five. So you put Jameson ahead of BB? I say he's the he's the fifth pick, so I'm putting Bibi ahead of Jameson. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, honestly, for me, I had uh, Rashad Lewis at five. Rashad Lewis. Ooh. I think if you if like <laughs> Ooh, if Rashad. you give me the best five years of Rashad, I think I think I would take that ahead of like he could do so much more than Anton. Anton was really a four. Right. Like, Rashard could really alternate between both forward positions, could really shoot the three, was like 6'10", a long wingspan. Like, he wasn't the best defender, and he wasn't really a rebounder for his size. Right. But, like, in terms of being able to produce in any era, I probably would go with Rashard ahead of Antoine. Well, Rashard, you know what? I'm not even going to fight against that just because – you know, at the end of the day, you know, Rashad definitely had some strong years, especially when he, he was making that run with uh with the White. But, but are we are we talking about a solid five or we're talking about career per se? No, we're like obviously we're talking about a career, but at the same time, like some of the best players, if you're gonna evaluate the best players, it's really about their prime years and what they accomplished. Like if, if certain guys are gonna be the guys by their longevity, but it, if you look at Richard and Antoine, their longevity is pretty much like neck and neck. You know, they're, re- they're relevant during the same years. Right. But I feel like Richard's ceiling was so much higher in terms of what he brought to the table offensively, especially. You think so? I think so. I think especially being the second fiddle on his championship team, I think Richard was way better suited to play any other superstar mm-hmm. than Anton was because Anton couldn't really shoot from the outside. He could, but I feel like he, he, like he was more complete as a scorer though. Like he, they sh- like his three point shot. Okay, wasn't it wasn't the best, but I just feel like he could score a little better from all three levels. I felt like Rashad was more really like shoot oriented. Like it was all about his jump shot. You know what I mean? Catch and shoot, pick and pop. I, I don't really remember him doing anything more as far as like scoring ability. Like wow. can can you can you run you could, a team could, off? You can create um, off the dribble. That's what I'm saying. Can you run a team that's off with shot only? 
No, it, it wouldn't be the best player on, like, on a solid I, team. I but, feel like Twan was is, doing that with, with, with Washington, though, as far as, like, running. Oh, Gil, Gil was going definitely doing that, though. Gil, yes, but you were able to run some stuff off Twan, is how I feel. But Seattle could do could run some stuff off of Rashard. Like, Rashard had, like, look, from 2003 to 2009, Rashard always averaged above 18 a game and was right. above 40% from three, like, a couple of years down. Like, he was 40% from three, 47, 46% from the field, and above 80% free throw shooter. And on, like, six, seven attempts to three, like, he was really ahead of his time, I feel like. And to put that with somebody, let's say, like, if you put him with a – if you had put him with a LeBron or – like a right. real dominant guy, I think. Oh, he'll be amazing. Exactly, Rashad was a much better complement to to a superstar than Twan was. I feel like to a superstar, like yeah, you're right, you're right. You know what? I, I was gonna say to a superstar like LeBron, but you're right. When you have the ability to shoot, you kind of complement any superstar. Anybody, out exactly. There. So in my mind, I feel like if if mm-hmm. I have to go with somebody in the draft, like I know I'm not getting necessarily a franchise player. I probably take you know those best five seven years from Rashard instead of those best five seven years from Tuan, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, that that makes sense. That makes sense. But uh, I think the only the only thing I, I want to add to that is, if I was to pick one of those to be my franchise, I'm probably going with Tuan. For for yeah, Tuan's probably a better first option. Right. I, I feel you on that. Right. I definitely agree with. But that. as far as for their role. Uh, Rashad was a better fit to compliment a superstar. Other stars, that's that's for sure. That, that makes so, sense. So, 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 number four, who did you have? That's when I went with uh, Mike Bibby. Bibby, yeah, that's that's definitely what I had too. Bibby, I think, I think down the line, Bibby probably go down as like he could go toe to toe against most top point guards in that. Oh, area. yeah, Bibby in his prime was a problem. He was definitely like he was picking people <laughs> apart. Like, and I think I was talking to some guys today about it because we we're looking at uh, some some clips on White Chocolate or uh, Jason Williams. Yeah, and I love this game for the flash of it. I was young. That's what I love. Mm-hmm. I was mad when they traded him for Mike Bibby. I was like, what were they thinking? Yeah. But as I got older and I analyzed the game better, I was like, he they had to. <laughs> Bibby, they had to. Bibby, <laughs> Bibby was that dude. And BB really, really was a better compliment to Divac and Weber than, than White Chocolate was. Yes. The fact was they really needed to, to run their offense through their two bigs. Right. And BB was really this, like, kind of like a combo guard, but, like, he could play make, but at the same time, he could really, really, really shoot. Right. Like, he really had a nice set shot. Like, he could pull up off the dribble mm-hmm. and all. So I, I always felt like that trade, it was a win-win situation, but I felt like the Kings got more out of it because of the fact that when they started running their offense through their bigs, they became right. a much better team. Yes, those became, great passing bigs. Exactly. So, uh, so, so definitely. So BB definitely is a choice. And the thing also, after um, C-Webb left, Right. Maybe ca- kind of carried that franchise. Yeah. You know, for a couple of years, like, they made the playoffs and, you know, 
they they won a couple 45, 46 win teams, and like BB was the go-to guy. Like BB was the best player on a like even that 03 or 04 team that went to the second round. I felt like BB was the like Peja was probably the better scorer, but BB I felt like was the most important player on that team. You know. Definitely, be- definitely. Because of, you know, his abilities and what he brought to the table. The fact that he was able to do stuff off the dribble, plus he was really a good shot maker. Exactly. Um, so, third pick overall. Third pick, um, this was, you know, I, was, I had to think a little bit about this one. Uh, but I went, I went with Vince. Yep. I you know I went I went with Vince on that one um just I mean he had a great career uh he had a great career uh but it's just the, the other two ahead of him you know both of them won championships yeah um both of them got finals MVPs yeah you know it was just hard to go against it so they definitely Vince Vince was my third and the thing is for me, I didn't even have to think, honestly. I, I, I feel like there's a pretty – there's a gap between Pierce and Vince. There is a gap, but it's just when you look at highlights, you easily get carried away until, yeah. until you start looking at the numbers. Yes, until you start looking at the numbers and then st- until you start looking back at their – even, like, full games. Because I was, I was re-watching um, – some of the 01 playoff games. And, I, I, you know, 2001, Vince had probably his best season with the Raptors, averaged 27, was all NBA. Um, they went to the second round, game seven against Philly. But rewatching it, I, I felt like there were so many holes in this game. Yes. And you look at a guy like Pierce that went to the conference finals the next year, I was like, he was, he was a much better basketball player. Vince was by far a better athlete, but right. Pierce was just so much more complete as a scorer. Like, it's oh, Pierce, not Pierce even, is definitely one of the most complete uh, scorers out there. Like, one-on-one, I think, like, it's, it's not really close. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Like, not at Vince all. And, and, you see, and you've seen it more as they got older, too, yeah. because it seems like <laughs> Paul Pierce had, has had that, that, that old man YMCA game since the beginning of his career. Exactly. Just and a as he more got old, in his step exactly. early on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he just, he, he chooses his shots. Um, he got that, you know, that top of the, top of the key, you know, mid-range thing he always goes for. It's just the footwork. Uh, man, it's just, he just picks you apart. Yeah. No. And, and, like, the three was always there. Like, he used to shoot, like, five, six, seven threes a game, like, in the early 2000s, he had a nice ball handling. Right. And, like, that little old man strength that he had. Like, I never felt like Vince had a go-to thing that he could go to no. offensively. No. I, I always felt like he was mostly three and dunks. Exactly. Uh, he had a few, few pull-ups, but that's not his DNA. You see how we were able to kind of pinpoint what Paul Pierce does well? in his game, like, as far as, like, one-on-one play, how to get into his shot, that little step back and stuff like that, it's hard to see Vince, you know what I'm saying, outside him making open threes or him getting to the lane and jumping over people. And and I think that's where a lot of people in his prime probably – like, Vince is probably going to go down as 
a misunderstood guy in a sense because I always thought people felt like Vince could have been the best guy on the championship team, but I don't think that was the case. No. Because no. of the limitations on, on in his offensive game. Right. The fact that he didn't have a mid-range game, yep. his footwork wasn't necessarily the greatest, so his post-up was like, – like he had good slides and he definitely could have posted up people, but he didn't do it because he didn't have the fundamentals to do it. Exactly. And, and, and the, 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 the handles, you know, uh, yeah. definitely needed some polishing. Exactly. So, in my mind, I felt like he wasn't able to be the one-on-one player that a guy like Pierce was because, you know, he just, he just didn't have the skills to do it. And people saw him and, oh, well, yeah, he's super athletic. He's supposed to be, you know, like he's a Carolina guy. Um, he should be the heir apparent to, like, the great – guards that are athletic like the Dr. J's and the Jordans and so on but like Mike had game oh he did oh <laughs> no. he sure did exactly and it's like Vince like there was some yeah there was some lacking and and I felt like that's that's the separated between him and a guy like Pierce so I right. really had like three and two to me was definitely clear cut yeah. um, for that and so obviously number one I think this is this is a no-brainer so, I mean, probably one of the what, top four, top three power forwards of all time. Definitely. Uh, Definitely. Like, honestly, like a guy like Dirk, if you had to rank Dirk, between Dirk and KG, who would you take? Um, I might go with KG. Uh, just, just the simple fact that I think KG, KG can Oof. dominate offensively. <laughs> You know, as far as like, I feel like the the difference between let's say Dirk's offensive ability and KG's of uh, offensive ability yeah. is much closer than KG's defensive ability versus Dirk's defensive ability. That that maybe yeah that you, you you get me there, but I feel like Dirk was so polished offensively. He, he is. He's definitely he is. one. He's like one of the greatest offensive. He's. He's probably the greatest he offensive is. power forward he of is. all time. Definitely. For me, like, it, I don't think but, it's close. But, but I see, like, if Dirk is a 10 on 10 offensively, KG's yeah. an 8. And yeah. if KG's a 10 defensively, Dirk is a 5. A five? You, 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 you yeah. can't debate that. He's a, <laughs> you're not, don't, yeah. don't, you can't debate that. No, I can't debate. Because, and the thing, like, that's one of the things. This quarantine, the good thing about this quarantine, it, it got us watching, like, so many old games. Right. And I, and I was watching old Mavericks game, like, 03 Mavericks. Um, first off, Dirk, like, Dirk was really, really light on his feedback in the days. Like, he yes. was athletic. Like, Dirk, Dirk is, like, one of one. Yes, When for people sure. try to say this kid is the next thing, nah, don't believe that. Dirk yeah. is one of one. <laughs> this is not coming. Like, if you see another Dirk, it's going to be, like, a generation from now, like, right. 30 years from now. This, right. this guy was special, special. And he was torching sheet, like, crossover, has the wonderful pull-up and stuff. But defensively, Nelly had to play zone all the time. Yeah. So that's how I felt like. And at the same time, I was watching like KG against 04 Sacramento. And game seven, I think KG had like 32 points, 21 rebounds, five blocks. And he was making plays on both hands. I was just like, right. 
this <laughs> right <laughs> this is biblical like, yes yes so I, I i feel like sometimes we kind of forget how dominant some of those guys were and and i always fight myself it's like maybe like do i would really want like yeah obviously kg could dominate defensively but i feel like you always need that guy that can get you a bucket by any means necessary i think kg proven that he can do that too it, 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 like i said if if dirk a 10 he's a eight, he could do that i i see them giving guy and you just said it, you just gave some of the numbers he had you know what i mean and for somebody to give you the type of numbers i, I mean get i get 30, 30, 32 points is a lot and i mean that game like he played he played all five positions pretty much like he he, <laughs> he, he brought the ball up and he was like i was like this is crazy what sanders was doing with him back in the days but dirk was like He, he had he had the footwork. He could post up. He could pull up from three. Sure. He ran the lane, like all that, and with super like legendary efficiency. Like he was fifty, forty, ninety from the goal. That was crazy. That's so crazy numbers. <laughs> in my mind, I was like, man, like maybe Dirk is really like is really the guy I would take. So I really was interested. I was, that's why I was asking because uh, I mean. But the fact that you brought up the defense, I'm like, yeah, the defense is definitely a separator for uh, for KG. I mean, right? He was he was elite, elite from 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 way back. I, I mean, right. I think I think KG and and I, Kobe wrote it in his in his book. KG is probably one of the greatest defensive minds that he's ever seen, and it was always one of the you know his best battles. We were always against KD, uh, KG. That's yeah. About it. So, with that, uh, I wanted really to put Vince uh, in terms of the wings of his generation. So, we already compared him to, to Pierce. So, I wanted to compare him to some of the best. So, Pierce, obviously, T-Mac, mm -hmm. AI, Ray Ray, and Cole. Right. So, between those five, those right. six, actually. Um, honestly, personally, for me, I thought Vince is probably fifth or sixth between him and Ray. I think it's it's the choice. Yeah, um, man. But you see, this is tough too, though, because right now you're saying you're putting Ray is probably fifth or sixth. Yep. But you know, what I'm saying when you look closely, if you're not going with your heart, Ray. Ray should be ahead of, you know, this might not be oh, a popular. Oh, <laughs> don't, don't, oh, don't, don't go there. Oh, where are you going? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Come on now. Hold on, man. Like, it may not be popular, but you got to look at it closely now. Unbiased. Yes. And I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I'm unbiased. Better. I'm not saying Ray is better. But then but I'm just saying when you look at the numbers. And who? He, you know, then, look, then, he should be ahead of AI. Oh my lord! <laughs> Once again, <laughs> hear me out. I'm not saying I didn't say he was better. I didn't say he was better. We're talking here. about better career because if we're not talking about better, right? Then I'll probably bump T Mac all the way up to number two. Okay, no, Kobe. obviously, in terms of in terms of better career, I understand. Ray Ray may be even number two. 
Right. But if we're talking about if you had to build a team around those six guys based on their abilities and what they look like at at their best. So a lot of most of these guys are at a seven, six, seven year prime. If you look at those years, obviously Ray translated into a secondary role better than most guys because of what his skill set allowed. Because he was such a knockdown shooter. Definitely. But if you look at their abilities in their best six, seven years, who do you take between those six? Uh, Kobe. Kobe, number one for me. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> then uh, Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce ahead of uh, Tracy? See, it's tough. It's 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 tough because, like I said, it's it's. I feel like the fact that Paul Pierce was able to be good for so long, or the stretches career, you got to credit him for that because that comes within play. I think that comes within play, but I feel like if you look, okay, so all those guys played in the same era. Mm-hmm. If you look at, say, from two thousand to 2007 or 2008. Right. So that stretch. Um, Pierce is 25, 26, 26, 23, all the way down, and until he's about at 20. Right. Uh, Tracy in those years is 27, 25, 32, 28. Exploded. Exploded. I mean, he wasn't surrounded with the best team but I feel like in terms of his abilities and what he had, I don't know. I feel like it's... I mean, it, it, if, we, if we're looking at it like that, then we might... AI is number two. If we're looking at it like that, because, you know, you're talking about in 2000, 31, 31, 27, 26, 30, <laughs> 33, 26. So he, he, was on, he was on a mission around that time, too. He was on a and AI won MVP. Those guys, like, in that stretch, those, none of those guys did. No, nobody did. But Kobe probably should have won MVP in 06. But aside of that, like, AI is – like, if, if I if, – like, my first pick would be Kobe. Second would probably go to uh, Tracy, then Pierce, then AI. So that would be my top four. Really? Just because I think – why Tracy mat- over AI if AI numbers are better? It it it, it matters and, that like n- not a lot of teams have won with an under six foot guard. But he got them to the finals. Yeah, and, 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 and last I checked, Tracy Tracy struggles to pass the first round. But Tracy Tracy had a borderline G League team with him. Like he had Darrell <laughs> Armstrong as the second best player. But but I mean, if if he's that guy, don't you think he, he was be he able was to up carry that team? Yes, yeah, he and he and he kind of carried him. Like he, he was up on the on the like he pushed the Pistons to Game Seven. I mean, like Tracy. Right, so where where was Tracy at with Houston? Would you say he was on a decline because of his back or? I think, I think, well, 
No, some of the Houston years were, were prime years. Like, the first two years were prime. Like, first year was prime. They went game seven with Dallas and went toe-to-toe with Dirk. Dirk got, got ahead of him. Um, after that, he was on the decline. Because I felt like those series, like, two years in a row, they met Utah in the playoffs. And I always felt like Tracy from old, if you took Tracy from Orlando in those series, they probably win. But he right. just, he just wasn't able. Like he, he wasn't there anymore. Athletically, right. he wasn't able to just get those easy buckets as he used to. So, but yeah, in that in that sense, maybe you you would put him lower because his prime was shorter. Right. But those key years when he was at his best are probably as good as anybody. Oh, without a question. That, but that's why I said, like, if we're not looking about, like, accomplishments and stuff like that, I pro- T-Mac is right there with Kobe. I mean, he – like, we're talking about Kevin Durant these days and how great of a score Kevin Durant is. You know, yeah. T-Mac, you know, was one of those guys. You know what I mean? Like, being 6'8", being able to handle the ball. You know what I mean? His pull-up shot, uh, he posts. You know what I mean? Like, he was a matchup nightmare. No, like, if we're, if, if we're looking at accomplishments, Pierce is probably second. But if we're looking right. just at game, just, I think... Just game? Think just game. Like, you, you're drafting from scratch and saying, okay, look at these abilities. Those guys, those six guys, they had the best careers. They, they were the best wings in, at their prime in those years. Just game, I'm going Kobe, T-Mac, um, AI, Paul Pierce, Ray. You're putting AI ahead of Pierce? Let me think about it for a second. No, I changed <laughs> that back. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll put four Pierce <laughs> ahead of AI. Yeah. No, I feel, I, feel, I, feel, I, feel, I feel the same way. I, think, I, I, feel, I, think, like, I feel like Paul, Paul can fit, like, and this is how I do it. Like, often I kind of think about, like, who can fit in different type of brands of basketball. Exactly. And I feel like these guys mold into different brands a lot more than AI. AI, you have to kind of build that specific team around him. And if you don't, then you're not winning. And with Paul Pierce, he could become a catch and shoot. He could be your leading scorer. Uh, You know, he'll defend a little bit here and there. He's a bigger dude. So, you know, guys are not going to try to take advantage of him uh, on the other side of the court versus AI, who's supposed to be your point guard, but he's actually your shooting guard. It kind of, you know, throws off your whole thing a little bit. It throws off your your whole thing because then you need a bigger point guard that can defend twos and you know because obviously exactly if, if you have a small point guard then he's gonna get posted up and nah that that's like I think Pierce pro- provides more stability in what you're trying to build than AI does yes and as far as as VC and and Ray I think Ray 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 is up there. And Ray Ray had, a, had some great, great, like, he had some really good years in Milwaukee and, and Seattle. But I just feel yes. like, same with Vince. There are too many limitations in their games for me to be like, you know what, this is going to, like, I don't think neither of those guys could have been the best player on a championship team. Right, right. I, I, I think Ray Ray was really well served when he was traded to Boston. Right. And, like, he obviously had to adapt, and the adjustments was a little hard for him. He went from, like, 26 a game to, like, 17 automatically. But 
I think that probably served his career well. And for Vince, if, if people had realized earlier that he wasn't that guy and matched him a little bit earlier with a guy that was better than him on, like, Jersey or Toronto, right? I think we would have felt differently about his career. Because I, I, think, I think for most people, they see the highlights and they're like, oh, yeah, it was this great score. Like, he's over 25,000 points. But it's somewhat of, of a disappointment of a disappointment from what we thought he could be. Yep. yep. You know, f- <laughs> from, from the expectations that we had of Vince yeah. and the fact that, you know, he played on the U.S. team, on the national team, and he, he, he tore, tore it up over there. Um, but at the same time, when he came back to the league, like, he wasn't really able to push through and bring his teams to, to the next stage. And yeah. I feel like that's, that's going to be his sort of legacy, even though, like, you know, he played 22 years. It's incredible the longevity yeah. he had. But you know, in the long run, I don't think, uh, I don't think it's going to be viewed as, uh, as gloriously as it could have been if he, if he had been recognized as, like, the second best guy on the championship team instead of being looked at, at as, as a failed uh, franchise star, you know? Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. I think I think sometimes, you know, when you take like the the backhand seat, you know, what I'm saying just to to win more, or you mm-hmm. know, to be on the biggest stage. I think sometimes that that's better for your career than you know being the main guy. I mean, you said it, it, it end up helping out Ray Allen. You know yeah. what I mean? If imagine Ray Allen would have stayed uh, with one of the Bucks or whatever, you know what I mean? And he wasn't winning. Yeah, he would have been good. But now, you know, we remember Rialan for that big shot he hit. Exactly. And, and at that time, he was like, Ray was barely a, a, a 10 point, points a game scorer. But right. the fact that he had a big shot to win a title, I mean, it's like, you know, Ray was clutch, was, was this exactly. big time player. Yeah. Exactly. That's, defi- that's definitely true. So with that, uh, who would you say is the current player that, uh, for you reminds you the most of VC? Um, it, it was hard to find one current player. I feel like you're probably going to come up with one and I might end up agreeing with you because right now I, I couldn't see it, but I, I was looking more into like guys who was, you know, a lot like three and dunk guys. Yep. Uh, I think one of the, one of the first guys that ended up coming to my mind, but I know their game is not similar is, uh, Jalen Brown with the Celtics. The game is not similar, but it's just what I had in mind was athletic, dunking guy and, you know, catch and shoot threes. Now, I feel Jalen is a, a better defender yeah. uh, than Vince. Uh, I feel like he, his, his pull-up might be a little bit ahead, um, but I couldn't really, you know, think about anybody that I, I could feel like really fits into that Vince Carter mold because – you know, when Vince first came in, you know, he was being compared to the Michael Jordans of, of the world. You know, oh, I mean, yeah. as far as, like, what, as, and, far as and, what he was doing. And right <laughs> now, I, I don't see guys like that right now. And, and Vince, Vince came out swinging. Like, Vince yeah. was rookie of the year. Like, it was like 18 points a game from the goal. And it's like, okay, yeah, this guy's going to be definitely a superstar for years to come. Right. But, and the thing is, by his third year, like, 01, 2000, 2001 was his third year. By his third year, Vince was 27 a game. That's, like, 
<laughs> that's incredible. That's impressive. That's amazing. That's on a third amazing. year? On a third year. And a lot of those guys, they had, like, Pierce had, and Vince and uh, Antoine, those guys from 98 draft, even, like, even when you go Kobe, T-Mac, and all those guys, AI, Ray, they had so much success early on. Right. But it seems like for Vince, it just didn't, like, you know, it didn't pan out into the career that he thought it would, whereas those other guys, you know, they kept on and they, they extended their primes and became those, uh, you know, good players on championship teams. Would, would you say he peaked too early? I think he did. Well, yeah. I think injuries didn't help either. Injuries definitely didn't help. But I, I think when people kind of figured out what he was as a player and the limitations that he had. Right. I feel like that kind of, you know, it, it, it put his, uh, his career on a different path. Because, like, in Jersey, he wasn't bad. He was really good in Jersey. He had some he amazing years. He was. But at the same time, like, those teams could have had more success in the playoffs. Right. You know? Jay Kidd made the finals back-to-back years before Vince came over. So you'd think with Vince, a guy like that. They were supposed to be better. They were supposed to be better, and they weren't any better. So I, I, I just feel like, you know, there was something lacking in Vince, and more should have been brought out. So in my mind, there, there are a couple of guys. I think Jalen is probably one, but I felt like it was a mix of, well, the the two kids that were drafted by the T-Wolves. I think Levine and Wiggins are probably and it's funny to think like Wiggins is Canadian and probably grew up idolizing Vince. I thought about Wiggins actually. <laughs> and I, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like Wiggins is such I, I don't think it's an enigma now because we kind of know what he is. He is what he is. I don't think it's going to change. Right. Levine is still an enigma because he feels like he has the mental makeup of a potential superstar. Right. But when you look at the numbers, it's really like good stats, bad team guy, it feels like. Right, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just no, like... You, no, you're, you're, you're right about that because uh, I think I've seen, you know, when you see people debating basketball on, on Facebook or stuff like that and, and they're talking about... And, one, and somebody was talking heavily about Levine. And, you know, my thing is... In a situation like that, you know, I want to see his team win. Or I want to see him on a better team. You know, yeah. just kind of – and I'm not done playing the stats. Obviously, if you can get buckets on any team, you know, you got to respect it. But at the same time, you got to put it next to something after that. You know what I'm saying? You just got to verify it if, you know, those numbers <laughs> are legit. Exactly. You know, do they transcend into winning? Or can you do that on a winning team? You know what I mean? So that, it, that was always, like, my mindset whenever I would read something like that, like, you know, like, he's doing well, and I'm not taking anything away from him. But, you know, if, if the team is winning 20 games in a season, you know, it, it's kind of hard to, to, to really look into that. Exactly. How does it, it add up? And my, my, my thing with Levine, when I was thinking about him, I was like, you know what? I think it's how people view him. Like, they see these 25 games, he, he can shoot, he has pretty good percentages, but there's lack – like, there, there's stuff like in his game. Like, the guy doesn't get to the fine line that, that much. For, right, as athletic as he is. As athletic as he is. No, he, he kind of has a okay ball handling, but 
same as Vince, his post game is not developed. It's pretty much a three. Like, he, he doesn't really have an in-between game. It's really much a three and dunk guy. Like, he's trying to develop that in-between game, but it's really not there yet. If he right. could post up, I think it would really ha- add to his game. Big time. And the fact that he doesn't have a high free throw rate. I think if you want to be a good scorer, if you want to control the pace of a game as a scorer, especially as a wing, you have to be able to get to the foul line. Right. And and that's um, and that's how I felt. I was like, that was something that Vince was lacking in his prime also. Right. You know, if you look at guys like Pierce, Pierce would get to the foul line, foul line like 10 times a game. Oh, yeah. Like, like VC was like six times a game. You know, T-Mac was always like, eight times a game, nine, ten times a game. Same with Cole. But those guys that you you wonder what's lacking. And when you realize it, when you look at the, at the stats and so on, like you can see it from the eye test and you're like, well, yeah, like he can't, re- like his team can't really control the pace of a game. Like if he's not able to just stop the bleeding because he's getting to the line, because he can't get you an easy bucket because it's just, posted up a smaller guy and took advantage of a mismatch and right. little stuff that like that, that I think uh, gets you to the next level. I think that's what, you know, Levine just like Vince before him are, are lacking. Right. So, um, so, so we'll move on to the next subject. Um, so recently we've seen in the NCAA. So I know, did you watch the documentary, the scheme? Obviously you watched it. You know, we talked about the right, right. Uh, documentary, the scheme. So there are some FBI allegations about a couple of universities and, and those allegations actually right now, they're coming back to bite some people uh, up because Oklahoma state was just, uh, re- just received, uh, they received notice of allegations, but now, they received some sec- sanctions about some level one violations and they're basically out for the NCAA tournament, tournament next year. The reason why we're discussing it is because the number one recruit in the nation, Kate Cunningham, who's a potential number one pick, right, has committed to Oklahoma State. So there are implications in terms of what maybe could be his next move. Do you think he stays? Do you think he moves on to something else? What what's your perception on that whole situation? Um, it's it's tough. Uh, just because a lot of times, you know, when when kids go to to college, it's because they they have their dream of playing the March Madness, and now you yeah. know you, you you take that situation away, then it's like, you know, I feel like it kind of opens the door for him to kind of you know not be so hyped to want to play uh, on a college team. But 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 at the same time, I feel like that kid is so you know he he is known. Uh, I think everybody knows how good he is as far as like the scouts and stuff like that. Um, and the position that he's in, um, I don't think he he has to leave. Uh, just because I think if I'm not mistaken, did Ben Simmons make it to the um, to the March Madness? I know they. I feel like they probably tried something and pushed it for him to make it. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I, I, want, I want to believe that he didn't make it. But, you know, I don't think that took anything away from, you know, him getting drafted as number one. You know what I mean? And No, so, exactly. And it was the same thing with Markel the next year. Like Exactly. Yeah. You know, so, so I feel like, you know, as long as he goes there and, and do, 
and do his thing. But I feel like right now, though, the only thing is that this whole G League thing might be a lot more attractive to him now if it wasn't before. Yeah. No, and, and the thing is, like, the G League uh, apparently offered him uh, around the same number that they offered to uh, Jalen Green because, you know, those Of course. Were... <laughs> of course. <laughs> I mean, Cade <laughs> was actually probably the best player on the U- – uh, under 19 USA team that won the world championship and you know Jalen was on the same team and I don't think it was even close who was a right. better player um I feel I, I just feel like you still get that experience and obviously he chose Oklahoma State for the experience of being uh going to the March Madness possibly recreating a new legacy for that school but the fact is he picked that school because his brother was there. Right. So in that sense, I don't know if he's going to change his mind and how that's going to affect his decision. The fact that his brother is there and that was the main reason he chose because probably his brother has a better sense of how he could be developed in the long run. Right. But, um, you know, 500K is is nothing to sit on especially if you don't have the potential of winning a national title with you guys at the end of the year you know yes but at the same time and this is this is my view on it too is if we say he's as good as he is and i think everybody agrees he's probably gonna be you know probably top two pick right yeah yeah it's literally what from september to and not even September because NCAA doesn't start until, so probably until like from October-ish to March, his season is over. And then he's getting drafted where he's going to make probably, you know, 10 times more than 500K that he would have been making playing in the G League. So it's really, is that financial piece enough for you to make a decision based off that? Or he should focus on where can he develop the best for the next level? I think in his case, it's probably where he should develop the best. Because being a high draft pick, um, it's it's really about can you come in and compete at the highest level and be ready from the goal. Exactly. So, and like, it's going to be taken care of if he goes at Oklahoma State or if right. he goes in the Jilly. But I'm just saying that the fact that he could already getting be getting endorsements um, while he's preparing to play at the highest level, and I like, I'm not, I don't, I'm not sure how the program is going to be run, how well it's going to be run for the G League. But I trust the people at the NBA to have figured out a process for guys to really develop properly and you know prepare right. them for for the league, right? The best way possible. But the fact that he could be getting endorsements, uh, right. a, a five hundred dollar, five hundred thousand dollar contract. Right. Bring those two together. And he's not like, it's not like he's going to a big school like a Kentucky or a Duke that would be make him the most marketable guy. Right. And but, if, he's, if he's not going to be in a tournament and from the start, people know, like the thing with Ben, Ben Simmons is that people, there, there was so much hype because people were like, well, LSU has a chance to make it. And right. there were disappointment at the end of the year when they didn't make it. But there was this whole fanfare around Ben because there was a possibility that we would see Ben at, in the NCAA tournament. 
I think right. with Cade, the fact that we're not even like we know for sure that team is not going to be in the NCA or any tournament. I, I think there's not even going to be any hype around it. But I think there will be just for I the simple fact that they are going to keep reminding us that it's unfortunate that they can't make it. We would have loved to see this kid. He's playing so well. Dang, like why? You know, like I feel like they're going to be – and that – I feel like that is even going to bring more cameras on because the Big 12 is not a joke. The Big 12 is not a joke. It's probably been the most competitive conference in the last so 10 if he's out. If he's out there bussing people, I feel like that will be primetime TV every time. And one thing they're not going to shy away from is keep talking about how unfortunate it is that he's not going to get to showcase that in the March Madness. And I feel like that is going to bring so much media around that situation. That is definitely a good point. And I think, I think, I think the fact also that people have this vendetta against the NCA right now, where yes. it's like the yes. NCA is the devil. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly. People are being like, well, look at this situation where a kid that didn't commit any violations and it's getting penalized and so on and so on. Because I feel like this is a, an important point because the kids from Oklahoma State that are currently, that will suffer the consequences of the school's past actions or assistant coaches' past actions, were not enrolled at the time of the violations. Wow. The coaching staff that did that was not in, is not at Oklahoma State anymore. Wow. So, like, I, and I get that you have to hold people accountable, so the school has to be held accountable in some way for their violations. Right. But the people that are paying for the consequences are not even the ones that had anything to do with those said violations, right? I kind of think that's ridiculous. Like you could cut some scholarships for for the school for the next five years, for instance, or whatever. But and I feel like that should be the approach. I, I think I think that should be the approach. But like uh, omitting kids from going to the NCAA tournament and like not giving them a chance to play at the highest level and compete for something that they they've dreamed about since they were kids. I think that's that's kind of ridiculous, you know. In that, in that sense, nobody wins in that situation. At all, they At definitely all. don't win because you guys just took the potential number one pick out of your tournament. Yeah, exactly. Well, you no, know, the tournament's gonna survive regardless. I mean, no, it's gonna survive, but I'm just you saying, could they, have you have anybody just... playing me and you playing, and the, probably the tournament <laughs> probably makes a billion dollars. You probably will. You probably will. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But the fact is, like we don't get to see the best talent because exactly. of some, you know, BS role, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that's, uh, uh, you that's know, what? I, I feel like this actually might kind of put a little bit of pressure on the NCAA with the whole G they thing going on. But, you know, I mean, just the simple fact that, like you said, the people are going to keep talking about like, why are you guys punishing this kid? This is yeah. why these kids should go pro. And now, you know what I mean? Like it just give them more argument to be like, Oh, this is why you guys should just let the kids get paid exactly. so that there's no rules like that. That's going to punish them from, you know, living their dreams or whatnot. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and so, so we can agree that it's ridiculous that, uh, <laughs> The, the kid is getting punished. But so in your opinion, what's your prediction 
that uh, for his next move? What do you think he does? I, um, I would not be surprised uh, if he goes to the G League route. Um, but at the same time, you just say his brother is at Oklahoma State. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, he's going to make money going to G League. But it's, yep. you know, like it, it's not like waiting a few months to be the first pick going to hurt him in any way, shape, or form. Unless, exactly. you know, God forbid, physically something happens. But, you mm-hmm. know, we're, we're praying that it's not something that happens. But as far as, you know, financially, I think he can stick it out, you know, the five months or whatever that he's going to be at Oklahoma State and hooping and, you know, still get paid a very, very large sum of money. So at the end of the day, I think it's, it should be a basketball decision versus a, fi- a financial decision at this point. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. And I think when he made his commitment, uh, obviously, you know, one, one thing he said in the end, at the end of his, uh, of his statement, he was like, you know, it was really hard to make that decision, but blood is always thicker than water. There you go. So I feel like he, he, he's probably going to go through with that. Right. And he's going to stick it out and stay at, at and play for Oklahoma State regardless. Right. So, um, so yeah, I think we agree that, you and, know. The, and another side note is, too, is, is the G League thing. We, we still got to figure it out. You get what I'm saying? Like, as far as, like, the There's marketing strategy. There's still a lot to be figured out. Exactly. So, I feel like that also is somewhat of a gamble when you go there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and you got to really do your homework as far as, you know, making that decision because, you know, there's a lot of stuff. They're throwing money at you, which it sounds good and everything. But as far as like your marketing, like, you know, the development piece, you know, just kind of ask the right questions so that, you know, you make sure that you, you're making the right decision and you're not just running after the money they're throwing at you. A, a paycheck. And, and, and that, that's, that was one thing that we discussed on an earlier, earlier pod. That, and we said, you know, one of the biggest things about the NCA is that you become famous in the mainstream media. Exactly. Like to the mainstream people, then you become a household name. Yes. Because they get to see on national TV how many G League games are going to be on national TV. Exactly. You know, how many and even, people... And even if they are, are, are people willing to watch? Are people willing to watch? Because who are you going against? That's exactly. the biggest question. Like, Kansas fans are going to stay Kansas fans regardless. They're going to... Like, whoever yes. plays on those college teams... teams People are going to be fans of the college team. So you basically gain a million fans just by going off to one of those schools. Exactly. Exactly. So, like you said, if me and you were playing at Kansas, the gym will still be packed because they are diehard Kansas fans. Exactly. You know and, what I mean? They don't, care. <laughs> they don't necessarily care for the name as long as the team is good. So if we got a nice team, but we don't have, let's say, some powerhouse names that's going to, you know, enter the draft next year. They don't care as long as we're winning games for them. They're happy. Exactly. And, and if you have a guy like Cade, then, you know, those Cowboys fans, those Oklahoma State fans, I mean, they're going to probably stick with him for the rest of his career. You know, oh, yes. if he, especially if he goes there knowing that there's no NCAA tournament, there's gonna, they're going to support that team and be like, you know, this guy was loyal to us and so on and so on. And it's probably going to go a long way for him to have, right. you know, just – that fan base already is dying to have you know that uh, their uh, their basketball team looking good yeah some 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 little bit of success right uh 
another prospect that was on the news uh, lately. So Jonathan Kuminga, it was announced that the kid, uh, this kid from uh, the Patrick School in New Jersey was uh, reclassifying to the 2020 class. Right. So, I mean, obviously with the pandemic situation, he was able to uh, advance and, you know, reclassify to 2020. And he's going to be making his college decision very soon. So in his uh, final five, the, uh, the schools that are listed are Auburn, Duke, Kentucky, Texas Tech. And the fifth option is going pro. So either G League, Australia, or Europe, or China, or whatever, probably more G League. In your opinion, uh, which one? So if you did a, a Uncle Crystal Ball, <laughs> <laughs> what, would, what would your prediction be? Man, I'm going with one, and he's going pro. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I, I looked at his game closely, uh, you know, and just, you know, it goes off. I think that you sent me that. You were the first one to send me that video when they played against uh, Monvert Academy. Against Cade, actually. Yeah. Yes, yes. And you know, <laughs> I looked at it closely. I remember you were telling me about that game, but I had to see it for myself. And he has to go pro. He has um, to. He has to. His he either, game is- honestly, either pro or Kentucky. Pro or Kentucky, but pro. <laughs> 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 because, you know, like I look at him, he, you know what, he's very athletic. He's you know, he, athletic. he has, he has good skill set. Um, yep. I, I think, I think the reason why I see pro is that he needs space to create. Yeah. And, and, and that, you know, and that was those, the, the biggest thing in the Montverde game is that how they shrunk the court. Whoa, man, exactly what I was about to say. There was no light in that gym. They just shut off the light. They (laughs) they, they just stretch their arms and there's no lanes. Exactly. And, like, they're sending him to his weekend, left all the time. They came in help early, like, right before he he, he got into the key and they have those long guys, like, you know. Right. Yeah, you have what's the uh, Scotty Barnes and that are the big in the paint. Like those guys were waiting for him. Exactly. And he had no space to operate. I feel like if you have a, an NBA size court with the, you know, obviously the rules and stuff. Yes. They can, they can be like they can be. They can be in the paint you know, too exactly. long. Exactly. They can be you know, in the I mean, paint the, for three more than three seconds in the help. And if they exactly if they're going to be in early help, then the opposite side is open for a kickout. So you have other options. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I was thinking about. Even when you were saying pro China, everything else in the world, I was like, no, he needs to go NBA style where there's defensive three in the key, the court is wider. And when he beats the initial guy, which, you know, he was able to do for a lot of time. But Most just, of the time he was really doing it. Like, <laughs> yes. But it's just when that helps comes quickly on his left hand, he just didn't know what to do. You know what I mean? Like, he'll, it, he had he some didn't pull-ups have a whole that lot he was of, off balance. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, he's trying to split in between two guys. Um, it, was, it was tough. It was tough for me. It was a tough game. And I think, you know – if you know he's working out he should definitely base his workout off those games i mean that game sorry just because it it exposed so many things in this game which you know somewhat is a good thing because it it allows you to get in the gym and you know polish up your craft reevaluate you know exactly (laughs) exactly because two things that you were able to see during that game is that 
his mid-range game wasn't really at the level it needed to be for him to be like a go-to scorer in the pros. Right. Um, and his fail for the game really was subpar. Like, yes, yes. If you're going to be a creator and you're going to be a playmaker at the highest level, you need to be able to understand where the help is coming from and what's your next decision going to exactly. be based off that. And most of the time, he felt like he had no idea. Like, the help no. was going one way and he was just forcing, trying to go right. to two people or just hop step and, you know, go up. And it's like, you need uh, to... Honestly, if, if, yeah. if, if Montverde was a little more disciplined, they could have probably filed him out. Oh, yeah. Just way oh, yeah. charge they, they, every they time. They could have drawn like seven charges. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> because like, like you said, he would, when that second guy was showing up, it, it seems like it was every time it was a surprise to him. Like, whoa, where, where, where did you pop up from? Exactly. And, but the thing is, the kid is extremely talented. He is. He moves really, really well. Like, he's 6'8", and he looked really big. Like, Cade yes. Cunningham is, what, 6'7"? Right. And, and he looked bigger, way bigger than Kate in that game. So I was like, okay, like this kid is 6'8", pretty close to 6'9". He's built like a pro already. Like he has broad shoulders. You know, he's kind of thickish and like not thick, but, you know, bigger built. Like he can fill up. You can right. tell that he's going to be able to fill up in it. Oh, uh, for sure. When he gets to training. So with that size and the way he's able to move, you can definitely say he has unlimited potential. Right. But the game has to follow. It does. It definitely has to follow. Um, with that said, so who, 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 who do you think in the league? What's, what would be your NBA comparison for Jonathan Kuminga? Oh, uh, I think we spoke about this before, but Jalen, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Brown. Uh, I think he, uh, like you said, he, he has his skill set is, you know, it's pretty good. Um, and I think one of the biggest things is his ability to make shots, uh, outside shots. Yeah. Um, I think if he can get that consistently, I think that's going to open up the floor for him. Um, he's going to be a problem. If he can exactly. make a, a, a three consistently, he's going to be dangerous. Because even if he doesn't get the mid-range, I feel like the fact that he, he would be able to make threes would automatically right. make him quicker. Exactly. exactly. So then, like, off the bounce, the defense doesn't have the same time to react to what right. he does and how he attacks them. So. Right, right, exactly. And, and side note, because you were talking about Reed, and I don't want to let that go because it's stuck in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> I really saw how good Cade was. Not that I didn't think he, he wasn't, but when we talk about Reed... Oh, Kid is incredible. It's like he's playing. It's like everything. You know those superhero movies when you hit the button, it's like everything is slows down yep. for that one guy. That's what I feel like the game is like for him. It's like he's going and it's like everything is slow for him. Like you see the dude popping up and he just got to counter for it. And, man, it was just – And but the thing is you got to see how, you know, one guy who, you know, has that aspect in his game looks like versus, you know, the other guy who's still – you know, needs to polish it up, the difference between it. And that, that, that was the biggest thing about that game, the contrast between the two, how exactly. like, a kid like Kate is so polished and, you know, he was 
Like if you put a smaller guard on it, he's able to post him up. If you switch yes. a big on him, he's gonna attack him off the dribble. Yes. In transition, yes. he always makes the best decision. Yes, it's like, yes, and and you know what? You, you talked about it, posting up, and that's I don't I don't remember seeing Jonathan posting up in that game. No, and he's he's bigger because I mean at the same time they didn't put small guards on him. They put Kate on him for the first few minutes, and then they put Scotty Barnes. Like Scotty Barnes. He's probably the best defender on the perimeter in high school. Right. And he's pretty big, too. He's like 6'8 with like a 7'2 wingspan. So, right. like, he was able to bother John a little bit in that game. That, so, but the, the, the only thing is, sorry to cut you off, is yeah. it's, it's just I feel and maybe it, it's not in your system, but I feel like when you play a team that is sending an early help to you, if you get him on the low block or, sorry, on the mid post, it's one dribble away from the ba- from the basket. It's one dribble away, and the thing is, it's it's so much. It's it, it's a lot more dangerous than attacking from the perimeter. Because exactly. When you set, when you put them in the post, they probably have to double up instantly. Exactly. And so it, it opens up a lot more things than when you setting up from behind the three and have to attack yes. them off the three point line. So definitely, yeah. No, I feel I feel like they they probably should have posted them up more, but. That just means that's something that's lacking in his game if they didn't do it. Right. It's probably right. something that he hasn't worked on enough yet and doesn't have the fundamentals enough to be able to take advantage of that consistently, you know? Right, right. So, uh, yeah, no, in terms of NBA comparison, I think at the same age, probably Jalen Brown. Right. Uh, the athleticism, the body type uh, is a lot similar. I think John is probably a little more skilled than yeah. Jalen was. Um, but as far as the, their physical build and probably how John projects in the league, it's I think it's a cross between. Because the thing is, his ceiling. I think at his best, he could become a Kawhi. Oh man, I I hate those just because you say at his best. At his best, at his like if he develops. Like if he reaches his full potential, if you think John uh, Kuminga. Like developing his uh, his mid range pull up and right. his post up with the strength that he has, right. I think it, it's a Kawhi Leonard type of. Play. I mean, they 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 move similar. They're built similar. Uh, it's just, can he become defensively like Kawhi? Because Ka- Kawhi is is special oh, defensively. Yeah, Kawhi you know what is I mean. Dog. But so, I was I was really more thinking more offensively. More offensively, yeah, yeah. offensively, yeah. Offensive. I, I think it, it's possible. I think because you know Kawhi's game at the end of the day, it's not uh, anything that you you haven't seen before. It's just he does it efficiently. You get exactly. what I'm saying? Like he doesn't have like let's say ex- incredible ball handling or whatever. He has good ball handling that he uses it very efficiently. Exactly. Um, he has a very good mid range. He uses it very efficiently. You know what I mean? And I think he Kawhi maximizes the hell out of his skill set. Yeah, no, he gets to his spots and, you know, makes a shot. Makes you know, a he, shot. <laughs> if he has a mishpatch, he's going to take advantage of it. You know, if it's a slower guy, he's going to attack him. If it's a smaller guy, he's going to post him up. Really. Exactly. Yeah, he doesn't make things anything complicated. And, and I think that that might be the biggest thing. Now it's, you know, it's, can, can he, you know, start seeing a game like that? And I think that's, I guess, something they have to develop at the professional level for him. Definitely, definitely. Um, so that that was that for uh, for for John Kuminga. Uh, one last thing though, because with the fact that he's 
going into the uh, the 2020 class, he's probably right. going to be in the 2021 NBA draft. Right. So, between him and Kate, if you had uh, a choice. He didn't even let me finish. <laughs> this guy was like, yo, Cade. <laughs> no, no, no. But all, all seriousness, no, no, no disrespect. I just feel like Cade, Cade is ahead right now. You know what I mean? He's ahead, like, just, you know. Because there are, there, there are a couple of prospects. Like, Jalen Green is obviously really, really talented. Um, there's also Evan Mobley, who's, I think, like, he has a sky-high sky potential. Right. I really like that kid. It, it's just I'm looking at Kate, and I feel like tomorrow, if I had to put him on the NBA team, he's he's ready to play. And yeah, I, I'm not saying Kate. ready to dominate, but his skill set, his his talent, like all of it, the package that he brings. Even if let's say he's young, I could have him come off the bench and, and spur and you know give him a few. Oh, minutes it, 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 my, it could be it could, it could be going to Orlando in a bubble. Yeah, <laughs> be one of the guys. Yeah, exactly. No, definitely, like. He, he he belongs in the league yes. right now. Like tomorrow yes. morning, you put Kate Cunningham. I think he has a, you know, he has an impact in the NBA. Exactly. And I don't think for a lot of those guys it's the case. Exactly, exactly. That's why that's why I was so quick to <laughs> to call out <laughs> Kate on that question. I knew where you were going, but you know, <laughs> I feel like when when it comes to that, is you know, it, it's a no brainer. You know what I mean? It's not like Kate is like six two. Like he's, I know, he's six, that's seven. a big guy we're talking about. It, you know what I mean? Like six, seven, six, seven point, guard. <laughs> point guard. You know what I mean? And, and, and Jonathan is six, eight wing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. their height is close. You know what I mean? Kate is a low key, very good athlete. I say low key because. What do you mean low key? The guy who I, did it between the legs in that game. I get it. I say, low, game. <laughs> I say low key because it, it kind of reminds me of Markel's where, you know what I mean? Like he's a very good athlete. But he likes to show the smoothness of his game versus yeah. the athleticism. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? That's why I said low key. But it's it's kind of, it, it sneaks up on you. you know? Exactly. <laughs> it's like, exactly. Oh my god, this guy yeah. is so fast in transition. <laughs> oh, he just right? went up and yeah. dumped that all over. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean, that's why I said low key. But no, definitely, I think Cade, Cade, Cade will be uh, my pick if it came to that. No, definitely. I think I think mine too. I, well, me. To me, I, I put a lot of value into the uh, international scene, especially at that age, at the U19 level. Right. Um, and what, how Cade was able to dominate last year, especially in the finals, because right. I think the uh, Mali team that they played in the finals really could match uh, America's athleticism. Right. But it really came down to how much of a better basketball player that Cade was compared to other guys, and he was just able to create him and and the kid that's going that played at Iowa State, Tyrese Halliburton. Right. I think they like those two guys really sparked up uh, the USA run. They were, were able to, uh, you know, and, and it came down to how good they could play the game. Their feel for the game made the difference. The fact right. that Cade could create for anybody, Tyrese could create for anybody, uh, it made a whole difference. Right. And I think I think I think yeah, Kate would probably be my choice as well. Right. Um, moving on. So the last thing we'll be talking about because obviously la- uh, last week we talked about the return of the NBA and how you know we it was going to be in the bubble in Orlando and so on. And this week there was some news about certain players disagreeing uh, with the return 
led by Kyrie, Kyrie Irving, that said uh, that, you know, the return of the league and the return to play would distract the uh, national attention from the protests and the social unrest that's been going on in the U.S. especially. Right. Uh, so, I mean, I think it comes from a good place and I really understand where, where Kyrie comes from, that he really doesn't want something that he cares about uh, to be put, put in, a, in a stick and fiddle in terms of national consciousness. But um, what do you think about, you know, what was said this week by some of the guys in the league? Man, uh, it, it's, it's a tough situation uh, just because at the end of the day, I feel like there's, you know, there's more than one way to, to I guess, have your voice heard or kind of like, you know, uh, uh, do your part as far as, you know, this thing we got going on. And, I, yeah. I you know, I, I understand exactly where Kyrie is coming from uh, yeah. as far as, you know, I think, you know, if we, we need to sit out and, you know, not allow ourselves to be distracted, you know, with the sports and everything and focus on the problem that's ahead because we've been, you know, fighting this thing for so long that, you know, and I feel like, you know, this might be the loudest, you know what I'm saying, we have gotten as far as like having our voice heard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he feels like we're, you know, we might be close to getting some type of change happening. Yeah. And, but I also understand the other side, you know, of the meadow where, you know, some of the guys feel like if we go out there, first of all, we're going to be a bunch of us in the bubble. We can have meetings and discuss what we can actually do you know what I'm saying, f- with our platform as far as, you know, to help, you know, this situation even better. But not only that, we're going to be the only thing on TV as well as far as, you know, sports goes. And we we have that platform as well to kind of spread the awareness that we're trying to bring, you know, to the social issue that we have going on. So it's like, you know, I'm kind of splitting between the two where it's like I get both sides, you know what I mean? And it, it's hard for me to say, you know, this guy is right and, you know, the other side is not right. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, maybe Kyrie's, you know, thought process might be the best. Uh, just because I feel like we always had sports. You know what I mean? When we had those situations. And maybe, you know, if we do sit out and, you know, come up with a plan while everything is at, at a stop, it might be, you know, the, what we needed for the change. And, and, and one of the things I feel like why the the social unrest was this impactful this time. Obviously, you know, uh, the video of the death of George Floyd was certainly disturbing to anybody that saw it. Right. And that sparked outrage. But it was, I think it was sort of a perfect storm in the sense that we're in the middle of a a global pandemic. Uh, A lot of people are not working, so are available to speak out on subjects and go out and protest and do all these things. Right. And so this perfect storm of a little distraction, a little to think about other than, well, there's an issue, we should tackle that issue. I think made for uh, such an impactful um, last few weeks that we had in terms of, uh, of social change. Right. Um, so, in that sense, I, I do not disagree with Kyrie. I've, there are so many ways because the reality is 
the league could lose billions of dollars if guys decide not to play. Right. And if they lose the amount of money that they're set to lose if there is no league that come back that comes back, well, there's potential that the CBA could be reevaluated. Um, a lot of the guys, like Kyrie is in a position where he signed a contract that's guaranteed for a certain amount. It's okay. not like he's going to get close to 200 millions for the next four years. Right. The guy is set, but it's different for other guys in the league. Definitely. And other guys that their salaries are based, based on what the CBA is going to be, because, you know, if you're on a team and they've already signed two max players at, 25, 27, 30 million dollars. Well, if the if the 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 salary cap is set at 80 million, there's only 20 millions left for 15 of you guys. Right. You know, and that could be the situation if they don't go back go back to play whereas if they decide to play, while well, the salary cap could be set at a number that's closer to what it was projected to be, so guys that are in the middle class of the league could get paid, you know, a more interesting amount of money. But at the same time, if all of those people are willing to sacrifice that for social change, then credit goes to them. And I mean, it should be honored and they, they should definitely right ahead and do it. But it can't be overlooked the impact that it could have on so many players in that in that without league. a and, question. And I not sure like most of the guys are willing to sacrifice that uh, because they view it as like, yeah, they could have an opportunity to be on TV and to talk about, to, to, to bring attention to those issues. But one of the things that I was thinking about is right now, everything the athletes are doing are about the social changes. So right. these are the things that are spoken about because these are the only things they're doing. Right. Once they start playing sports, even if they are standing up for their what matters to them socially, right? The national news is going to talk about what happened in Thursday night on the court. Yeah, because that's what the guys that are playing are known for, and that's what people like. The majority of the people want to see, right? You know, that brings people back into their comfort zone because it was uncomfortable for a lot of people to be confronted with that reality that there are inequalities in our in their nation in every like in every nation like even here in Canada there are inequalities uh in terms of equal opportunities of chances and so on so um it was uncomfortable for a lot of people so I feel like if they can go back to something that's a lot more comfortable they're going to do it right away and if that thing is basketball and they can watch guys compete on the court for championship then that's going to just distract them from the attention that was brought into the uh, the social unrest, you know? Right, right. So they definitely have a point, but it's just that, in my opinion, if they're, they're, if they're willing to face the consequences of not going back to play, then it's really their choice. Because the only people impacted by the return of the league or not are the people directly involved in the league. Right. <laughs> you know, because those are the people, like, Disney's going to be impacted because they have a contract with the, with the NBA. Right. Turner's going to be impacted because they have a, a, a big contract with the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 30 teams are going to be impacted because, you know, obviously they benefit from the fact that the league is playing and 
Disney and Turner pay that contract for them to broadcast those games uh, yeah. on their on their channels. And then off of that, then the players, while they receive uh, close to 50% of the benefits of those that TV money. And so if all those parties are willing to sacrifice that, but I'm not sure that's the case. I would say like 95% of the players are not willing to sacrifice that for... Uh, but what, what about the fact that uh, there was a, you know, about 200 people on that phone call discussing that. But I think the, the phone call went a lot from the report. It said it was a lot more broad in terms of the issues that they discussed because a lot of people were concerned about, obviously, the COVID. You know, we're in the middle of, uh, of this. We're still in right. the middle of this, especially in the States. Like, cases are still going up. Um, so they were concerned about that. Uh, they were concerned about the fact that, you know, they could potentially be away from their families for a few weeks, for a few months, maybe. Right. They were concerned about the fact that, you know, it could bring not as much attention to the the social unrest. So there were a lot of issues that were discussed. And I think the fact that Kyrie's part of the leadership from the Players Association and, you know, is a respected guy in the league, I think... There are a lot of people that viewed viewed it as a as a valuable time to discuss all of those things, but when you understand the economics of not playing versus playing, I think I, I'm not sure a lot of the guys are willing to are going to be willing to make that sacrifice until the end because most of them at the end of the day it's their job too. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I understand they're public figures, but like they get to do what they love most as their job, which is playing basketball. And I think they would want to do that at the highest level. Right. So I think a lot of those guys are also hitching the play. Right. But you know, when and and I think Lou will put it really great. It's like, don't get me wrong, I really want to play, but I understand that when we go back to play you're not going to be out protesting. You're going to be watching us play. Exactly. So it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a different level of consciousness in terms of what's really going on as far as, far as socially uh, in a country when, you know, there are like sports is a big distraction for a lot of people. Sports takes you out of your day-to-day reality, you know? So, yeah, so I feel like there's no wrong answer in that. No. And you, you've heard LeBron say, I think, like he said, that he could feel like he, he could make an impact socially while still competing for a championship. Right. And I get that too. But could you really affect the person that was not totally invested in the cause if they're able to be distracted by your play on the court? That is that. That's the real question. Definitely, definitely. So, uh, so we'll see how how that develops and what's going to be uh, going on in the next few days. Uh, the league is actually now set to return July thirtieth, so we we can't wait to uh, to see if uh, who decides to go in. Maybe there are going to be replacement players uh, who decides not to show up um, and. How, how all that unfolds. And all, hopefully we also get some news about, you know, 
college sports when oh, will it sure. come back right right <laughs> here in canada obviously uh youth sports has announced that they will be canceling all activities for the fall so there's not going to be any sports for uh for the fall no championships or anything so uh maybe basketball is going to be back in the winter of 2021 so uh with that we're hopefully we'll we'll get some news from the nca and how they decide to uh to bring sports back with that said thanks for listening to another episode of full time out enjoy your week we'll be back for more next week stay safe out there